I ate a burrito before this with a lot of queso. So it is like all up in my throat. All right, redoing that line. No, 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 we're keeping all of this. Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. I'm David, and today, Colin, Chad, Andrew, Hunter, and I will discuss the 1974 masterpiece, Chinatown, which is currently available on Amazon Prime Video. This movie was written by Robert Town and Roman Polanski, directed by Roman Polanski, and stars Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, and John Huston. For a quick plot synopsis for the uninitiated, a private detective hired to expose an adulterer finds himself caught in a web of deceit, corruption, and murder. There will be spoilers in this podcast, so we highly recommend you watch the movie before listening. Next week, we'll be watching Fight Club, currently available on Amazon Prime Video. (laughs) And without further ado, (laughs) I'm going to hand it over to Beard. Andrew, lead us off. Break a tradition here. What did you think about Chinatown? What were your first impressions? I have some impressions that are not my first impressions, because this is the third time I've seen it. Hmm. And every time I've seen it, I've liked it even more. It's uh, this this movie really excels at everything. I mm. particularly like the plot. It, it's really complex and intricate, and there's mm. so many different storylines that kind of feel like they're I don't know all separate things, but then they all kind of con- converge at the end of the movie. And yeah. I think it's really neat to see how all these little things um, ended up tying together or all being part of this whole scheme. And as like a as a movie watcher, I, I, I enjoy watching things that have that kind of complex plot, and mm. you know it, it makes me feel like there's a lot of payoff at the end of the movie. That's that's why I liked The Departed so much too. Yeah, I think I think it, it was kind of like that as well, and and actually kind of like The Departed too, and kind of like the mystery element of it. I mean, this is I think there's a lot of similarities between this movie and The Departed. I think we'll keep coming back to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and just as far as like the mystery or noir genre, I think Chinatown is probably the, well, it's it's the best in my opinion. It's probably not a stretch to say that in a in a general sense as well. And what's interesting too is it wasn't even like in the traditional noir age, which was more like the 30s, 40s, maybe even 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking like Humphrey Bogart, The Big Sleeve, that kind of stuff. And so at first I thought, oh, it's kind of weird that it's not like in that, it's not in the time period you would think like for be the best noir film. But I guess like being in the 70s a little bit later, they could take more risks and they could, I don't know, make it more gritty and edgy than something that they, you know, would make in yeah. the 30s and 40s. Um, yeah. And they had time to analyze and really bring together the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. But even though it is made later on, I, I think like, they did a really good job of stylistically capturing the 30s. And I thought mm-hmm. like the, the set design and costumes were really, really pleasing to look at. And it, it just felt very stylish. So I liked it for that reason, too. Nicholson, Dunaway and Houston all give fantastic performances. You know, we compared this to The Departed. But I think another aspect that's kind of similar, too, is comparing Cross to that the mob boss in Eastern Promises. Because they're yes. both like yes okay <laughs> yes I was gonna make that comparison too okay yeah we're on the same yeah. page we're vibing yeah yeah because they're both like kind of seemingly nice guys at first but then they're like absolutely menacing and and just terrible people um, by the end when you, you kind of figure out what their whole scheme is 
except I thought John Houston did a better job portraying that than the other guy. Oh, um, there's yeah, there's lots to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, th- this movie is just really it, it excels at everything, and and it, it and it leaves you like very unsettled at the end, which I I, I think it's it's a good it's a mark of a good movie when you when it elicits that kind of reaction. So fantastic film. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Beard, for getting us started. Let's hand it over to Colin. Thanks, David. Just kind of echoing what Andrew said. This is the first time I've seen this film. Uh, and going into it, the only thing I really knew about it was it's the, the biggest uh, proclamation about it is it's the it has the best plot of any movie ever. Like that's Whoa. what everyone says, like the accolade for it. And the first time I heard about that, I was like, oh, does that mean like it has the best writing or best dialogue? And I think it, I mean, it has really good in both of those. Uh, I think it had a great way of setting the tone. Uh, I think immediately watching the film, it hits you over the head, like in a really, I don't know, encompassing way, just the the scene that they're in and kind of the the stakes. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I never thought I would get this enthralled in, in like land and water rights in, you know, <laughs> but it made me care about it it made it interesting and i think this definitely played up all the best parts of the noir genre and i think the plot is still very good coming from my viewpoint i don't think it's like the best ever i think it's still really good but i think it overall the package of it was incredible i thought you know, jack nicholson's performance was great uh not necessarily the most likable guy but uh, I no, thought definitely not. he did a great performance, very convincing. I think, I don't know, I, I watching it, 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 it makes me almost want to take notes. I would love to watch it again now, like mm-hmm. knowing how it all ends and like kind of picking up on stuff that I didn't, you know, realize at the first time I watched it. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a great film. I was looking up online. Some people listed this as the best movie of all time. Personally, I think it is close closer to that than rosebud is (laughs) yes okay i'm glad you brought that up colin because i was thinking other movies to compare this movie to and i find it interesting that my takeaway from this film was utterly and starkly different from my takeaway from citizen kane Uh going into citizen kane i was thinking okay this is like critically claimed like one of the best movies of all time and i was so bored that i couldn't help but hate it and now I'm sitting here thinking, after watching with several more movies and really reflecting on it, that I'd like to go back and give it a real actual chance and watch the movie for serious um, and, and give it a real critical review. But for serial? Shut up. <laughs> I'd like to watch it for serial and then uh, pour myself a bowl, um, get some milk, you know. Wait, anyway, do, you so, pour, do you pour the cereal first or do you the milk first? What, do you, what kind of monster do you think I am? I don't know. I don't trust you enough, David. Now you gotta tell me. <laughs> you know, I don't have to answer that. As long as you don't put water in the milk. Spoon first, then cereal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think I just, I mean, cereal, milk, then I eat it after I let it sit for a few seconds. You know. And you pour the milk directly into the spoon, so it splashes on the countertop. I've done that uh, multiple times. Actually, All right, sometimes I use the spoon to bend the milk into the bowl. Just oh, you're a, milk, you're a milk bender like Avatar. I mean, I, I, I didn't say that. You said that. I never said that. This but guy. yes. Okay, this is, so, this is a uh, 
train wreck that I'm creating. I'll let you go. So basically what I'm trying to say is I went into this movie with less expectation, but I still knew it was one of the top movies of all time. And right from the get go, I was I was really impressed. I mean, it's very different from Citizen Kane. Like, I just love the cinematography and the music of this film. This film was a paradigm shift for me, made me realize I have to go back and re-review every movie I've ever reviewed because I don't think I I don't think I could rate them all as high as I did after seeing this movie. Like I couldn't rate this movie fairly on the scale that I had before, right? Because it was just that much better, even though it's not perfect. Like this movie, I'm still I can still recall the music. It's like Whiplash or La La Land. Like I it's like the kind of movie that makes the music stand out, even though that's not the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that made me realize that giving <laughs> the Mitchells versus the Machines in 93 was a total and absolute fail. So <laughs> I went back. I gave the one an 87 upon first glance, but it's going to it's going to drop some more. I'm sorry. But my point is the cinematography, man, like the scene where he's looking through the binoculars and he takes them off and he looks through them again or where he see, he looks through the mirror or where he looks. You have the timepiece and it's all like it's told so visually and the water, it's like all the clues are there for you to pick up on just as well as him. And you feel like you're really solving the case through the camera work because it's allowing you to be the detective. <clears throat> so good. All right. Sorry to go off on a tangent. Colin, did I steal your thunder? Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That, that was the end of my thunder. So I'm glad you, like, relay raced it over. So awesome. I don't know who's next in line. Is it uh, Chad, Chad, I think? Yep. I can confidently say i know why andrew likes this movie it nails (laughs) all his favorite parts of filmmaking i mean in the first five minutes when they're doing all the snazzy camera moves when the music comes in you know everybody's all dressed real nice they have real quick snappy dialogue i'm like five minutes i'm like i can i can see why andrew gazed into the screen and saw his soulmate in this film (laughs) and i enjoyed it too and it made me so mad it made me so mad that i really liked watching this because i was like oh it's so good you you just can't say no chad you you see the (laughs) part with the desert wandering there's literally a desert desert wandering wandering. it's a desert part so so disappointing going through the desert yep Yep, it has everything. It has it all. And it was really good, and it was really well done. And, Andrew, thank you for suggesting this. Um, I enjoyed many of the same things that you guys have brought up. Great performances, great music, amazing plot that was really constantly moving and building and changing and so many, like, misdirections and, like, change of course and things that you weren't expecting, always keeping you on the edge of your seat. And they weren't doing it with big fight scenes or uh, whatever. It was purely plot-driven suspense and plot-driven moments of disbelief. And I really enjoyed having to keep up with the movie. It was definitely a film that kept you engaged the entire time in a good way. Uh, Not something like, I don't know, the Snyder Cut, where if I zone out for two seconds, I'm (laughs) gone for four hours. But something where... I have to keep up because I want to, and I'm invested in the story. I'm invested in these really rich characters. I'm invested in the story that they're telling in the world that they're building. 
and then the mystery that they're trying to unravel. And I, I thought it was written really well, performed really well, scored really well, shot really well. I could not ask for very much more. So it was quite good, and I can confidently say it's going to be one of, if not the highest scored films that um, we have seen specifically for the podcast is going to be up there. I don't know if it's going to beat out where Andrew has it. I think he said it was like top 15 or something, but it will get close. Yes, yes, top 15. That's what Beard said last time we talked. He said, I think he said top 12. I think he said it was 12th place. The number 12 sticks out in my head for some reason. And I went into this movie with that expectation and still thought it was better than Citizen Kane. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm coming from. I mean, it did win best best writing for it won the Oscar for best writing. So suck it, Colin. You didn't <laughs> well, like it was literally led with the fact that it was a it was like well written. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Wait, it was the best picture too. The Godfather Part Two. Oh yeah. Yeah, it it like it yep. was nominated for eleven Oscars and only won one because The Godfather Part Two just swept everything else. Yeah, wow. well, that's like uh, that's like when Michael Jordan got drafted. Like everyone's like, oh, Michael Jordan went three, and they're like, what the hell? And you're like, oh, Hakeem Olajuwon went one, and you're like, all right, yeah, I can see it. So uh, we left out Hunter. What did you think about the movie? I loved it. Similar to how you you both said that it reminded you of The Departed, I thought this reminded me a lot of The Maltese Falcon. Uh, yeah, Andrew, you mentioned, you mentioned Humphrey Bogart, and that's the immediate vibe I got with the private detective agency and the investigation, and I thought it was so well done. And I'm going to try and touch on a few things that weren't mentioned. Uh, the first thing is that thought it was really interesting just looking at kind of the backstory of what of behind this movie of the actual writer who is Roman Polanski, actually the director, uh, Roman Polanski, who directed and wrote the film. He was married to Sharon Tate. And so he was married to Sharon Tate when she died. And so there's a lot of history how this movie, how he made this movie after she passed away, after not passed away, after she was murdered. And... Uh, just how he puts so much into this. And I think that you can really see that with seeing Jake and how lonely he is in with, throughout this film, how he deals with that loneliness and how he's lonely at the start of the film and he's lonely at the end of the film. And that his character, even though his character develops throughout the film, that one aspect stays the same. And so I just think that it's really interesting to see how uh, Roman Polanski came out of that tragedy and then put so much of his emotion and how he was feeling uh, into this film. And so I thought I thought we could clearly see that with the ending and how hopeless that ending felt. And um, I just thought that that absolutely stuck out. I didn't know that before the film. I learned that as I researched after the film, just wanted to learn more. And the pieces all kind of came into place. And I was like, wow, that just made the movie feel so much more impactful and made specifically those that that ending just hit so much harder to understand how Roman probably felt writing that ending and just making this movie. And so uh, that was just a, a big thing that I wanted to point out. Besides that, I loved it. Thought it was thought this was just so masterfully done and that we just I don't know. I feel like we don't get movies like this today. I mean, the closest 
closest movie I guess we could compare would be Knives Out with the twists and turns, but I that feels criminal to say mm. that mm. that is anywhere near how masterfully done this movie was. And yeah, I just thought it was amazing. I, I was just gonna add to like what you were saying about how like Polanski's like personal thoughts kind of like influenced the ending of this movie. I was reading actually that the writer, what's his name, Towns or something, he actually wanted like a, a slightly less downer ending where they actually kill Noah Cross and Evelyn survives. And Polanski was like, nah, nah, other way around. And they like fought back and forth and eventually Polanski got it the way he wanted. So that was just kind of interesting tidbit. Dude, that is really, that is actually very interesting because I was going to talk about the way that the departed Eastern promises and this movie are kind of like a spectrum of of downer endings. Like Eastern Promises stands on the far end as like the happiest. Even though it's super depressing and the movie is very overbearing, it's still actually if you think about it compared to this movie has a very happy ending. You've got a guy taking over who actually is technically on the good guy side and the baby gets to live, the woman gets a happy ending. I mean, all things resolved pretty well. The guy who's, you know, the bad guy gets arrested um, and, you know, we are led to believe things are good. And then you have the departed, obviously. Okay. Spoiler alert for the departed. Like everybody dies, but at least, you know, at least Marky Mark gets to put a cap in Mark Damon's head and we get to have some vindication as the audience. You know, this movie leaves you completely desolate and empty. That loneliness you're talking about. That's how we're left at the end of the film just realizing that that nothing that he did this entire time unraveling that whole mystery made a damn of a difference. I mean, that is so harsh. That is terrible. Like, I watched this with Sammy's family and all of them hated it because of the ending. I mean, and I don't blame them because it's very just raw and, and evil. I mean, revolting. That dude's such a freaking scuzz bag. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. But on and I know it's I, we've talked about this before. How it's tough sometimes to watch movies with endings that we don't necessarily agree with and that don't make us feel happy at the end. But mm -hmm. as we mentioned before, that's also that's just a sign that the that Roman Polanski and and the whole cast were able just to make us feel so connected, specifically with Jake and and really care for for that character. And that's I think that was also just one of my favorite pieces of the movie is that along with being able to solve the mystery along with Jake and being able to pick up the tidbits that were that were laid earlier in the film when uh, Jake first appears at, at the house and he, he, he sees something in the pool and we're thinking, what is that? What is that? And they mentioned the salt water. Salt water is not good for the grass and and everything just comes together later in the film and we're along for that ride but we're also able to connect with jake on an emotional level and i think that all of that just is a fantastic job at making you feel like ah i really connect with this main character and also i would love to say that jack nicholson's lines were so jack nicholson i mean his <laughs> snappy comebacks there was no one else i could envision giving the snappy comebacks there was no one else i mean I, it was perfect per, per, mm -hmm. perfectly well written for him and the way that he delivers his lines. I'm pretty sure that this role was written specifically for Nicholson. Um, yeah. I think I read that. 
um, on the wiki page. Man, forget Mank. I'd almost rather see a film about the making of Chinatown than the making of Citizen Kane. This seems way more interesting with like way more backstory. <laughs> Absolutely. And like Citizen Kane, it has at least a little bit of historical truth to it as well. Like I was reading, too, that like, you know, it, this movie was pretty loosely based on the truth, but there was at least some kind of like conflict over water in um, Los Angeles and in the Valley in the thirties. And, mm-hmm. and this guy Noah Cross was based on an actual guy, except like, I think they split out the real guy into Noah Cross and Hollis Mulray. And mm-hmm. they kind of like, they kind of pulled out like a good guy and a bad guy out of the real guy who was, I think just a bad guy. Got um, it. And, and I mean, I don't think it was like quite this dramatic um, in real life, but um, yeah, there was some truth to it. Very interesting. All right. One thing, one thing I want to point out is that, and I did not look this up, but I love the fact that one, I was surprised when Jack Nicholson got his nose cut. Cause I feel like often mm. when you see those things happen in movies and you see a threat like that, nothing really happens because yeah. they can't damn they can't damage the main character's face for the rest of the film because that's your that's your one of your leading stars you want them to look good get that have those facial features but i love that one the main character that they went through with that threat but two how iconic now because of that jack nicholson with that bandage on his nose is because immediately you see that it's unmistakable unmistakable Mm -hmm. you immediately associate that with chinatown and i think that that is as a byproduct of just being able to recognize one of your uh, leading actor or actresses by a specific feature in the film. I think that's awesome. Yeah, dude, there's so much to talk about, about that scene. For one thing, the fact that the bandage gets reduced, reduced, reduced until eventually it's just a scar throughout the film. I love that detail shows you the time passing as he's trying to solve this case. And also the fact that they, I don't know, it looked so real. Like the blood just, boom like it was that that was such a mind-blowing special effect very impressive and finally the dude with the knife who cut his nose was the director roman polanski which i love that detail i mean i happened i happened to have paused it right before that moment and so i saw on like amazon prime where it tells you which actor is playing which character i happened to see that roman polanski was about to play a character and i was like oh interesting he plays man with knife i wonder what that's all about and then that scene plays out and he cuts his nose and I'm like, oh my God, dude, that was freaking Roman Polanski. And he looks so sharp with the little hat. I mean, dude, good kid. I mean, again, good costumes, awesome stuff. Yeah. One speaking of that particular night scene, or I guess all, all the nighttime investigations, David, you mentioned this, but one of my favorite details easily in the film is when Jake goes into his glove box, grabs some of the watches, and then puts it under the under the the tire of the car to see when 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 the person left. I'm blanking on the character's name. Uh, when when he yes, when Mulray left, that was so genius, so practical and real that you could see an actual detective doing that. Except my suspicion would be that the tire would actually crush the watch, and you wouldn't be able to see where the minute and hour hands were, but I'll leave that aside because um, that was just way too cool to see in the in the 70s working with the technology that you had, how you were able to track that stuff without actually 
uh, looking at somebody 24-7. I thought that was yeah. absolutely magnificent. Yeah, that was super cool. I love that, too. Yeah, backtracking a little bit, I think it was, Hunter, did you mention Knives Out? Because I yeah. was thinking about that movie, too. I think there's just this movie, when we rate something based on impact, I mean, you have to think of the fact that this movie had so much impact across noir, thrillers. I mean, this movie was also labored as a thriller. I know we've debated the definition of a thriller in the past. I, again, don't necessarily think this was much of a thriller, at most of it, but uh, I still think it did a lot to impact the genre. Sammy and I just watched the season six finale of Psych, Santa Barbara Town, which was a amazing homage to this to this film. Um, and it's the kind of thing that I hadn't noticed before when watching that show, but now that I'm going back to watch it again, I can totally see all the details playing out. But it just really goes to show you how truly grisly this movie is. Just some really messed up stuff. That Psych episode's the Alfred Hitchcock one, right? Uh, no. No? Oh. <laughs> it's the one based on Chinatown. Oh, well, oh, my, my so apologies. So called Santa Barbara Town. <laughs> oh. Santa Barbara Town. For some reason, I was thinking of the psych episode with the, the one that's based off of Alfred Hitchcock, and I think it's the end of the Yang trilogy. My, oh, that might my be it, yeah. For my, my bad psych knowledge there. All good, all good. Um, but yeah, I just think this movie made such an impact. What, what were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, one thing that, that I wanted to mention about, I, I've seen so much about Chinatown, and this has been a movie that I've been wanting to watch on my list for a while. And I've seen this movie actually mentioned all the time on this one particular YouTube channel, Cinefix. And so I, I thought I'd point this out because I was, was watching a little bit of Cinefix before this, and we got to mention some things that we always talk about. But one, this was rated and in Cinefix's top 50 movies of all time. No surprise, but this one, I believe, was the won the mystery thriller category. But on top of that, in the list of top 10 thrillers of all time, In Bruges made that list. Oh, dang. <laughs> Bruges made the list of top, top 10 movies of all time. Top We're going to have to do an In Bruges rewatch. Yep. Thank you. I, I kind of think so. Like, I actually do want to go over and watch it. <laughs> I think I think I have I have plans actually. I'll tell you guys later. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll we'll come back to that one. That is that is one we definitely need need to come back to. But yeah. Everyone's just gonna come to their senses. This is <laughs> it's been a, a waiting game. It's gonna pay off. He's he's bet, he's put all his chips on the table. Yeah. All, you know, all some the movies get better the more you watch them. And I, I bet In Bruges is one of those. For real. Yeah. Citizen Kane was, talking about talking about Citizen Kane, that was that was one of the ones for me. I love that because you understood what happens. And I, Beard, you talk about how you watched this movie for the third time. I feel like this is one of the movies, again, where you notice even more of the details in each oh, shot. Yeah. Because now since you know how it plays out, I bet there are there, there's hidden stuff that you, you didn't even – that – all of us watching on our first time didn't even recognize because we're so focused on the plot and there's so much to take in that there are just those small details that we overlook. Oh yeah. Like I, it made a huge jump from the first time to the second time I watched this movie. 
like I've been rating movies for years and years. And I like, I mean, my rating system has changed a lot over time, but the first time I, I watched this movie, I rated it, I don't know, like in the forties or something. And then like I was telling you last week after the second watch, it jumped up into like the top 20. Um, so that was pretty huge. And you're right. Like I, I definitely noticed some details this time around that I didn't before. Like, did you guys ever notice that Jake never used a gun or really any weapon at all? Like he was always threatened at gunpoint and at knife point, And he never like actually used a weapon himself. He was just like always was able to get out of it or just like used. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He used his mm-hmm. fists or like in, in <laughs> combat um, or just like got in a getaway car or something like that. And like, I don't know if that was intentional or if like they they like strictly like wanted to make him a non weapon user. But like, I don't know. I just like respect that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just a, like an interesting character detail that I like, he sure did this time. use his fists, though. Oh, the, well, I think it's so interesting because he uses fists all the time, but he's a veteran police officer and would definitely know how to use a gun and would oh, have yeah. carried one for years, especially working in, you know, that area of town where it was clearly a very what difficult job that he was doing. Chinatown. Oh, <laughs> well, like, I, I think it's an interesting point because I didn't notice that on the first watch through, but like it it is interesting because that must have been a deliberate choice. Like you would have thought when you're fleshing out this character, like he definitely would just carry a gun because that's probably what he oh, is yeah. more used to as opposed to not. So it must have been some sort of conscious choice. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, and even if he carried one and never used it, like that would be a whole different thing. But like when he goes oh. to the orange farm and they pat him down, he just like doesn't have a gun or a knife mm-hmm. or anything. I'm just like, that's you know, weird. I mean, if you think about it, and now maybe I'm just making stuff up, but it almost goes towards the theme of the movie, which one of the major themes to me stands out as powerlessness against the machine or just in general powerlessness. And the fact that, you know, if he had a gun, maybe the end would have been different. Maybe he would have lost his cool and he would have used that power to end the scuzzbag uh, cross. You know, he could have ended it, even though it would have, you know, ended his career, too. But the fact that he was just so powerless that the only thing he could do was just walk away. That's like kind of the way that you feel after watching this movie. You know stuff like that happens in the world. Whether it's real in this movie, whether this is a true story or not, that stuff happens. And it's messed up. And there's nothing you can do about it sometimes, most of the time. You know, it's even when you're faced directly with it and you know all the facts. So I think that's that might be part of why they made him have no gun. I don't know. So, yeah, David, kind of going after that, I was going to say, wh- what's your guys' take on uh, Cross as kind of like the villain? Like, how do you, how do you guys, how, where does he rank? So evil. Yeah, so evil. Sinister. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, who are we comparing him to? That's my, that's my guess. Give us a, give it, give us a list. Are we, are we comparing to, uh, to what, Frank Costello? The 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 villain from Eastern Promises. Uh, who else? Steppenwolf. I was just kind of. <laughs> I thought that was interesting because he he kind of plays the the mob boss character, you know, pulling the strings, and then comparatively to, you know, other other characters of that sort. Yeah, if you think about it, yeah. I mean, there's so many things about him that are just so insidious. I was we were talking about this during Eastern Promises about how. The mob mm-hmm. boss just wasn't that intimidating. I mean, sure, there were people that were scared of him, but like you never see him do anything wrong. You never, I mean, obviously, aside from the main crime in the film, which is like, you know, terrible atrocity, 
Um, I'll just refrain from saying it for don't want to trigger anybody. Um, but basically, in this movie, you have the insidiousness of stealing water. One of the things that everybody in this town needs to live. It's ripping the city apart and just taking it from them to enrich the lands that you just bought by by destroying the lands that you are about to buy. I mean, that is just so sickening. And not to mention the fact that he also, like, you know, had a child with his own daughter and then had her killed so he could take that daughter. That, oh, God, so messed up. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, like, I think the the reason No Cross, I think, like, rises to the top of, like, all villains is that he's just awful in, like, every facet that we see him in. Whereas, like, I don't know, if you compare him to, say, like, another mob boss, like, um, like John Vito Corleone. I mean, obviously, he's the protagonist versus, you know, No Cross the antagonist. So it's a little different. But, like, I guess, like, the way they portrayed mob bosses in The Godfather is that, like, yeah, they commit crimes, but they're also principled. And, you know, they 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 have reasons for what they do. Whereas, like, the way they portrayed Noah Cross was, like, he would just, like, stop at nothing to just get everything he wanted. And Yeah, he, that was, and that was he, a big point, yeah. Yeah. Like, he Absolutely. says to him, he says to him, you have, like, $20 million. What more do you need? What fancier food could you buy? What could you want? And he just doesn't even answer him and just takes him away to lead him to the to his daughter so that he can have her killed. I mean, dude, so. Yeah, I think it's funny how there's like, you know, other movies that like we should give, you know, our villain like some likable qualities, you know, like Die Hard. Or, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Alan recommends like at least somewhat enjoyable, like he's very charismatic and mm-hmm. I feel like most other films like right there's at least some through line where you're like okay you know like ray finds it in bruges you're like he's a total dickhead but at least he's kind I of funny. but i bet he but i bet he takes the heads off of this fish before he eats them like some kind of normal person yeah God. but i they went like just for the jugular in this movie they're like no this guy's literally the worst like the worst worst by the way apologies to people who eat fish with the heads on them not trying to call you out. You're not evil. I was gonna say, yeah, that's that's actually perfectly normal. You're right. I I, I was just in a heat of rage. <laughs> well, I so when when watching when watching the villain, I I agree. I thought it was absolutely despicable when looking at something such so essential as water and how inhumane this crime was, and how much uh, our villain just basically just shrugged shrugged his shoulders didn't really care but has anybody here seen the movie minority report <sighs> okay never mind i'm not gonna talk about it then never mind have to watch that one it doesn't matter damn all right i can't mention anything because okay never mind is there uh, bad is there evil people in that movie yeah there are evil people in the movie all right. um for some Excellent. reason i thought so for some reason, I, I I don't know why, but the the uh so I'm I'm blanking on the villain's name. I I I moved off IMDb because I I wanted to look up Minority Report so that I could get the actor's name right. Who's what's what's the villain's name? Cross. Let's say Mr. Cross. So Mr. Cross, uh, he reminded me a little bit of Christopher Plummer. 
May Christopher Plummer rest in peace. I don't know why, but he gave me just some Christopher Plummer vibes. Christopher Plummer's <laughs> a little nicer, though. Yeah, I was going to say. At least the characters he plays. <laughs> yeah, Chris, well, Christopher Plummer's 100% nicer, for sure, yeah. for sure. But um, I don't know. I don't know why. He just has something about, I don't know what it is. I, I'm, well, I seriously like? don't. It, it just reminded me just a little bit of uh, when Christopher Plummer was just older. That's it. And a little bit of Max von Snydo. Mm. A little bit of him as well. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Another note cool. about John Houston. Hunter, you mentioned the Maltese Falcon. John Houston actually directed the Maltese Falcon. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yeah. So it's like full circle. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, his yeah. uh, his daughter is in a lot of uh, Wes Anderson films. Oh, wow. yeah. Angelica Houston? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you guys told me it's Houston. <laughs> I would like to make a correction. That's what I said at the beginning. Anyway. Yeah, Maltese Falcon. I got I got so many of those vibes with the twists and the turns, and that was it was that I think we should that needs to be a movie that is in our pipeline because that comparing this to the Maltese Falcon would be that would be so much fun. I don't know. Do you think we can handle another black and white movie? Yeah, when it's the Maltese <laughs> Falcon, for sure. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Group seems pretty Maltese split there. That, if, if we're talking about movies that are going to rival in the mystery thriller genre for greatest mystery thriller of all time. Maltese Falcon's up there. 100%. Maltese Falcon could rival this movie. I would 100% say yes. I mean, I agree. I don't know if that's an opinion held by the whole group, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm willing to give it a shot. We'll, we'll see about it. We'll see about it, for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll yeah. see if it's on a streaming platform. That's kind of like the number one criteria for this group. It's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. All right. I already know. I watched it a few weeks ago. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we've talked about a lot of the awesome stuff this movie does. I feel like we're ready to go into reviews. What do you guys think? I I do. I have, I have one quick question. Did you did anybody here know that this has a sequel? Yes, I did know that actually. Yes. I'm very curious yes, I- to see where it takes the character. The two Jakes, right? Is that what it's called? I saw it. It was not as good as is what people said, or are what people said. Oh. Yeah, it was not as critically acclaimed according to the internet, but I figured, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens to Jake. Although, I don't know. What were you going to say? I, I, I was going to say this This is the first opportunity that we have as a group to watch a sequel to a movie that we reviewed. We haven't done that yet. We did Kill Bill. I was about to say. No, Kill Bill was one movie. That doesn't count. Oh, okay, sure. That's one movie. <laughs> we watched Mank. Uh, as a mistake. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not I mean, as a mistake. We could, watch was a mistake. The, we could watch the sequel, but also... Keep in mind, there was supposed to be a third movie, and the sequel was so bad that they didn't even make the third movie. Yeah, <laughs> they just torpedoed yeah, I it. I saw that they didn't <laughs> even watch it back. Yeah, you oh, gotta man. remember, we watched all 12 parts of Snyder. 
cut too. So yeah, I mean, that, we're, that's uh, true. We're, we really bit the bullet for you there. I think. I you mean, if we're gonna watch a sequel, we should watch <laughs> Aliens or something. Yeah. Like, oh, that's true. Like, uh, what's it? Um, National Treasure Two: Book of Secrets. Yes. Oh, what the yeah. people want. That would be a good one. That or would like, be a good bring Tomu back. Die Hard Two. Yeah, Die Hard Two would be a good one too. Or Die yeah, Hard Chad, Two. Just, just skip. Chad, two. just bang on your wall. Tell Chad that we're watching National Treasure Two. Skip straight to Mission Impossible Three. Wait, where is he? Do you? Where in your duplex is he? Like behind you? How does this work? I'm on the top unit. He's in the bottom oh, unit okay. at the end of the month. Ah, nice. Right. Bang on the floor. <laughs> We're watching a movie. Come join All right. us. Yeah. Popcorn. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and rate this movie. We'll hand it over to Beard. You started us off. What did you rate this movie? Well... I told you going into it that it was uh, number 11 or 12 on my list. Um, it stayed the same. I, I changed a lot of the ratings, but it actually all ended up equaling out to the same score as before. And that score is 91 out of 100. That is a really top notch score. I, I, as you know, I, I don't give out scores like that very often. In fact, there's only 14 movies that have a, a rating over 90. I gave this movie five tens, uh, five or yeah, ten in plot, ten in character development, ten in acting, ten in impact, ten in profoundness. Like this movie, just like knocked out of the park and all sorts of other things. Nine in enjoyability, nine in cinematography, soundtrack and artistry were up there as well. I, I could not give it a bad score anywhere. It was it was just really good all around. So, ninety one. Awesome. All right. Well. I would like to hear from Colin. What did you rate this movie? Yep. In a similar vein, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was really good. Sweet. Thank you for your very short and sweet answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that, I know. That was like me reading War and Peace. It took me forever. I'm sorry about that, guys. It's all right. We'll get over it eventually. Probably take less time than that review, actually. Um, so... Chad, what did you rate this movie? I enjoyed a lot of this. Uh, I gave it good scores in plot, acting, cinematography, all very, very high. Uh, I thought they were superb in those categories. Overall, I got to an 88, which puts it in the top 30 for me. So, definitely well done. I think I would definitely like to watch it again, and it would probably get some higher points. But for the first time watching it, I, I thought it was really good. And it included, for me, one of, I think, the best uses of foreshadowing that I can think of. And this is something that, for me, earned like that 10th plot point is when... Uh, oh, I forget her name. But when she... Is, like When Jake and Mrs. Mulroy are in the car and she, like, bangs her head like on the horn and it beeps for a second and it startles her. Yes. And then at the end of the film yes. when she's driving away and you hear the car horn, I have never like felt so sick to my stomach knowing exactly mm. what happened without having to see it. And I think that was just such, such tight directing and writing and foreshadowing. I was like, mm, 
I hate it, but that is a good, well-constructed narrative. <laughs> so good job for you. That's some that's some really good points. Yeah, I absolutely detail. agree. Yeah. All right, Hunter. What would you rate this movie? I gave this movie a 48. No, I'm joking. I give it a 94. So this movie is tied at number two with Kill Bill. And I gave it basically 10s all around. I mean, it got a 10 in overall plot, character development, acting, cinematography. Standout that, David, you you alluded to was soundtrack. Uh, I'd never... The soundtrack and really the sound effects of this movie were phenomenal. I mean, when they wanted your your the skin to your your this that jesus what am i trying to say when they wanted to give you goosebumps when jake is entering the house to find the uh the dead woman oh they give you goosebumps when they wanted you on the edge of your seat phenomenal absolutely fantastic and so that was a i think that's often a a hidden standout aspect of a movie that we sometimes forget to talk about but absolutely incredible but yeah 94 Deserves a 94, I think 100%. And I will 100, definitely watch this again, easily, hands down. I couldn't agree more, and that's why I also gave it a 94. So I totally went into this film, like I said, with fairly high expectations, and I was so, so impressed. Like I said, this movie made me rethink everything I've thought about films. It was like, dude, how can I possibly compare other movies cinematography to this 10 like the only other movie that i've awarded a 10 in cinematography actually there's a few but the other one that stands out to me is free solo i mean free solo cinematography definitely a 10 this movie cinematography also stands out as a 10 i mean just incredible work the soundtrack 10 like boom this just absolutely nailed it my god i gave national treasure a 10 in soundtrack Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. All right, well, how like I said, that deserve a ten. No, you should feel phenomenal about doing that. Exactly. It's like I'm torn because I kind of agree with myself, but I'm also like, can I take myself seriously after this? I don't know. Um, but yeah, in, impact ten, profoundness. This movie made me think so much. It crossed all these other movies. It still is being referenced in shows like Psych, and so yeah, overall 94, absolutely slaps. So come on, fun. Yes. So there you have it. We would love to hear from our listeners, whether it's behind the scenes questions or movie suggestions. Did you like this movie? What did you think of the ending? How did it make you feel? Let us know by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or email us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com, which you can find in the description. We hope this episode has gotten you amped about Chinatown, and we'll catch you next week when we discuss Fight Club. Or don't. I mean, you know the rules. Peace.